Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, South Valley. How are we doing today? You guys are doing good? Good, good, good. Excited to be here on a Sunday morning. No better place to be. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. Well, my name is Jonathan Mondragon. I am the Next Generations Pastor here at South Valley. For those of you guys that did not know me, I am married to my beautiful wife, Gigi. And we have a son named Ezra. And he is three years old, which is crazy. Or he's going to be three years old in April, which is crazy because time has flown by so, so fast. But uh, I am so excited to be here with you guys today and blessed to be able to preach here. Uh, It's awesome because when Ricky told me that we're going to be doing a series on the parables and I should prepare one because I'm going to come up and preach. I knew exactly which parable I was going to preach about. I knew that I wanted to for sure 100% preach on the parable of the prodigal son. It's one of those stories that just keep coming up over and over and over in my life and I'm continually thinking about because it's a reminder of God's forgiveness, His love, His grace and, and it really comes to show that we truly do not deserve it but He gives it to us anyways. Amen. But as I was thinking about the parable and this prodigal son, the next question I had asked myself, what do we need to listen to? What do we need to hear as a church for this new year? We're only our third week in January, still a brand new year. So what do we need to hear for this year of 2022? After a crazy year of 2020, and let's be honest, just as a crazy year of 2021, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like I was, it was 2019, I was getting ready to bring in the new year. I'm counting down, five, four, three, two, one, happy new year. I blink and all of a sudden I'm in central California with a whole bunch of cows. It's foggy in the morning, it's foggy at night, and everything is different, right? But what do we need to hear for this 2022 and this new year? What do we need to do? And, and this word began to creep in into my studies when I was getting prepared And it's exactly that word. It's preparation. We need to prepare ourselves for this year. Preparation is an important thing. I myself am in the season of preparation. Believe it or not, I moved into my house a few months ago and it's still not ready. I'm still preparing it. It's still being renovated for my house, for my family to be able to live there and feel at home for years and years to come. In fact, our youth group is also in a season of preparation. Not sure if you guys have heard or been in touch with what we're doing on Wednesday nights, but let me give you a quick little update. We're in this new series, and it's called For Future Reference. And, it's, and we're answering some uh, essential questions, some foundational questions about our faith so that five, ten years from now, the students know that their time here within their youth group was time well spent. Because there are some scary statistics out there. Did you know that 75% of students within the youth group believe that they are living out their parents' faith and not living their own faith? That they've never cultivated their own faith, their own relationship with God. And an even scarier statistic is that only 30% with of students within the youth group go on to continue within the faith. And the rest, the 70%, will go and fall from the faith. And I truly believe that it's because they don't know the fundamental things about our faith, those pillars of our faith, those questions that need to be answered. 
right? And most importantly, they haven't cultivated that relationship with God, their own faith with God. So they're in a season of preparation. So us as, as a church, as a whole, as South Valley, what do we need to prepare ourselves for? What is, our best, what is the best way for us to prepare ourselves for this year and for what God has to do? Because I truly believe 100%, there is no doubt in my heart that God is going to do something amazing this year through this church. Do you believe that? But I think for us to be able to prepare ourselves for that moment, for what God is going to do, we need to prepare ourselves by forgiving and being reconciled to others and to God. We prepare ourselves by forgiving and being reconciled to others. Right, and the subject of reconciliation and forgiveness came up lots of time within my study, right? We're talking about the prodigal son, probably the greatest story about reconciliation between a father and a son. So it was very fitting that we were able to hear this uh, 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 big themes about, about forgiveness and reconciliation within this passage. Because I truly believe that the hardest people, the hardest one to love are people, right? That people are the hardest to love. Can I get an Amen. And by that logic, they are the hardest to apologize to and they are the hardest to forgive. So today what my hope is, is that we would understand that apologizing is brave. That forgiving is strong and forgetting brings happiness. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to flip on over to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 11 and let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. I thank you for... Thank you for your word. Thank you for how good it is. Thank you for how good you are. God, I ask that you convict our hearts today to, to go out and, and be reconciled to those that we've offended, to be, to be reconciled for those relationships that have fell apart. And most importantly, God, that we be reconciled with our relationship with you, that we continue to work on our relationship with you, that we cultivate that relationship and never let that go because this is the most important thing we have here on this earth. God, please speak through me here today and be here in your presence be in this place. We love you so much. We thank you so much. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone says, amen. amen. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his part property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against, against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, 
Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. An amazing story, amen? This story is actually coined one of the greatest short stories to ever be told. And for good reason to. It teaches us so much about forgiveness and reconciliation, repentance towards one another. And most importantly, the repentance and reconciliation with our Father in heaven. So let's examine this passage together and let's start right from the top with the Son. He is the prodigal son. So what exactly does the prodigal exactly mean? Right? It's defined as wasteful. It means spending money or resources freely and recklessly. It's being wasteful on a lavish scale. Right? And this son is the epitome of this definition. Right? He did a horrible thing. He went to his father and he asked for his inheritance. And it is not, that is not how inheritance works. Right? An inheritance is given to the son once the father has passed away. Right? That's how it's always worked. That's how it's always going to work. So essentially in this passage, the son, when he goes up to his father and he asks for his inheritance, this is what he is telling his father. He is saying, I don't care that you're not dead yet. Just give me what's coming to me. Give me my money. He's saying, I don't want a relationship with you. I just want the goods from you. I just want what benefits me. I just want the good stuff from my relationship, which is the money. I don't care what happens. Just give me what's coming to me and let's move on from here. Right? He asked for his inheritance and he goes and squanders it away on everything and anything that pleases the flesh. On everything that is temporary and unsatisfying to the soul. He lives a wasteful life, away in recklessness, not caring about the consequences or where his actions would lead him to. And I think it's easy to look at this story and see the son and very quickly say, what a horrible son. What an ungrateful son. How could he go and wish his father for dead and betray him like that? Why doesn't he pick himself from the bootstraps, go out there, toil in the fields, earn what's coming to him, put some sweat on his forehead, and do what needs to be done, right? That is the American way. That is the American dream, to go and do the work and you get what's coming to you at that point. But you know what? We do the exact same thing. 
And in the moments that we turn our backs from God, that we do things that we know we shouldn't be doing, we disobey the Holy Spirit that is guiding us to do something or not do something. In those moments that we decide to do uh, the things of this world instead of the things of God and what the Bible instructs us to, the moments where there is a great football game on Sunday so we got to miss church, right? Those moments are the moments that we turn our back on God, that every time we sin, we are turning our backs on God. We are being just like this prodigal son. And we are not faithful in being there with our father day in and day out doing the work of the Lord. And we are just like this prodigal son. See, and the problem with this lifestyle is that it brings, it brings us life away from the father. It brings us to disobedience. Right? Essentially, when we live our life away from the Father, we live a life that is wasteful and reckless. We live a life in vain. Only, the only living for what pleases us and what pleases our flesh and not what pleases our Father. We live a life where we want to be in control. We want to be in the driver's seat, going where we want to go, going as fast as we want to go, going when we want to go. And that seat belongs to God. Amen? He's the one that decides when we go. He's the one that decides how fast and how slow we go. He decides where we go, what turns we're going to make. And that's the life we live as believers, following the command and the authority of our Heavenly Father. But sure enough, as it will to every single one of us when we live a life of wastefulness, the sun ends up hitting rock bottom. He runs out of money, so he runs out of friends. He runs out of joy, so he runs out of options, and he finds himself feeding pigs for an average citizen in the country with nothing to eat, starving, and wanting to eat his disgusting pig food. Right? He has the lowest point of his life, savoring this disgusting pig food. And he starts to remember how free he was and how blessed he truly was at his father's house. How life, how good life truly was at the fold of his father. But this is exactly what sin does. And it was Ricky was talking about when he tells us that sin overpromises but underdelivers. <clears throat> As sin promises you the world, it, pro it promises you fame, it promises you riches, it promises you friends, it promises you popularity amongst everybody around. But the reality is that it always leaves you wanting more. It leaves you starving on the floor by yourself, savoring pig food. That's where you end up. That's what sin does to you. That's where sin leads you. Being lonely, afraid, and hungry. But see, I want to point this out within this passage because there's a point in this passage where he says that he was hungry and no one gave him anything, right? No one gave him anything. That's what sin does, right? It leaves you starving. It leaves you wanting something. It leaves a gaping hole within your heart and your life that only God is able to fill and satisfy It is this hunger that only God can be able to satisfy. It is this water. It is this, it is this thirst that only God can be able to quench. And at this point, the son can't take it anymore. right? He is craving his father, so he begins his journey back. 
He realizes that money and fame, they won't last forever. And he decides to come back and beg his father for forgiveness. And in this part of the story is where we see this reconciliation process begin to start. Right? And when we see reconciliation between two parties, right? Because every time there is strife or there is problems between two people, there needs to be reconciliation, right? We must not leave relationships broken because they need to be mended. And there are three aspects to this. There needs to be an apology, there needs to be forgiveness, and there needs to be forgetting, right? And the reality is that reconciliation is not an easy thing to do. Can I get an amen? In fact, it is a hard thing to do. It is a valiant and humble thing to do because... The one to apologize is brave, the one to forgive is strong, and the one to forget is happy. So let's go in chronological order and start from the top. The one to apologize is brave. Here in the story, when the son decides to go back to uh, home to beg for his father's forgiveness, we see that it's not the easiest thing for him to do, right? That it wasn't something that, 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 that he's happy about or excited about. He's actually scared and nervous about. And we get this because in verse 18, we see that the son begins to rehearse what he is going to say. Here in verse 18 it says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Right? He begins to, to rehearse what he is going to say. Right? And I can relate to that. I rehearsed a lot of times before I came up here to preach this, this passage. Right? I did the work. I did the studying. I got ready and I came up. Right? Every time any pastor comes in here, you better believe that they put their time in and rehearse to make sure that the message comes out as perfect as possible. And I can especially relate to this uh, in, in the moment for, for when I, I asked out for the first time my now wife Back in the day, um, we've been married for five years, we've been, uh, we were dating for four years, so it was like nine years ago when I asked her out on a date for the first time, right? One of those gut-wrenching moments. Maybe you remember the first time you did it. I definitely remember mine. I remember to this day being in my room the day before and saying, I'm going to ask Gigi out. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a self-talker. I, I have brothers and sisters, but for some reason I'm a weirdo and I talk to myself. That makes me... A little strange, I know. But we're going to go with it because the story is going to need me talking to myself. <laughs> but I remember being and rehearsing what I was going to say to Gigi, right? I'm like, how am I going to say it? Do I act really cool and be like, hey, yo, ma, you want to? No, that's weird. <laughs> that's strange. She's going to say no. Relax. Don't say it like that, right? Just keep it simple, Jonathan. You're cool. You're fine. Be yourself, all right? Okay, how about just, let's just keep it simple. Hey, Gigi, you want to go to the dinner and movies and maybe mini golf? Perfect. Go to bed, take a shower, smell good, and go get them ready for the next day, right? The next day comes, I'm on my way there, I'm in my car, uh, I'm checking my breath, and I'm just getting ready, and I'm like minutes away from there, and I'm like, okay, I, I, here we go. I'm a self-talker, remember? Got to pump myself up because nervousness starts to creep in, and I get scared. So I'm like, okay, Jonathan, you're fine. You're cool. You smell good today. You're funny. You're handsome. Well, your mom says you're handsome, and she wouldn't lie about that, right? Our moms don't lie to us when they say we're handsome, right? Can I get an amen? Thank you, right? 
So I'm getting ready and the time finally comes. I'm seconds away. I'm taking footsteps towards her. I am about to ask her. Then all of a sudden everything goes into slow motion. I start taking a step and everything's slow motion. I can hear my heartbeat racing. Feels like it's pumping as hard as possible. It's about to bust out of my chest. I'm sweating everywhere. My hands are clammy. My voice is getting tight and a little bit weird. And I'm starting to talk to myself. It's okay. Everything's going to be great. By the time I get in front of her, I have this creepy smile on my face like it's Everything's fine. Everything's cool. Act normal. And when as soon as I open my mouth, the only thing that comes out of my mouth is, hey, want to go to the movies? Because I'm good at mini golf. Mom says I'm handsome. <laughs> Dang it. That may or may not be a true story. It's too, it's too embarrassing to admit. But she said yes. I won at the end. I married her. Hallelujah. Amen. Right, but the point that the, 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 the son was rehearsing, right? When we get nervous, we rehearse. When we're scared of the outcomes, we rehearse because the reality is that it takes so much courage to go up to somebody and apologize and to right your wrongs and say, I have done something wrong, I'm going to go back and I'm going to apologize. And here's the thing there's some of us here that need to go apologize to someone. There are some of us here with broken relationships, and we need to get up and go make amends. And I know that it's hard, but it needs to be done. In fact, God calls us to do so. In Matthew chapter 5, it says this in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell on fire. Intense. So if you are offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift, right? That God prioritizes to be reconciled in broken relationship. He prioritizes even uh, 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 in front of going and bringing a gift to the altar and coming before him to go and be reconciled. Go and apologize. Let there be reconciliation and let there be healing within relationships before you come to the altar. He calls us to do so. And I get it. It takes so much courage to apologize to somebody, admit that you've done something wrong. But it needs to happen. And sometimes, sometimes it even takes a bigger person to go apologize in order to gain your brother and sister. It takes humility and love and courage. And see, the son, he has nothing to offer his father for forgiveness. All he has is an apology and his willingness to serve him. That's all he has. And that's the reality that when you go to apologize to somebody, all they have, they have, no, they have no other incentive to forgive you. All they have to gain is your friendship. And that's why the one to forgive is strong. Right? The one to apologize is brave, but the one to forgive is strong. We pick back up in the story, and, if I, and the time has finally come when the son is going back, and he is probably still rehearsing. He is starving to death. He has walked or ran miles away to finally be back into the country where his father is living in. He's tired. He's alone. He's hungry. He's been rehearsing. He's nervous. He's scared. He's trying to build up the courage. He finally starts coming up to the gates of the father's uh, property. 
And you see, the moment that the father sees his son far off in the distance, as soon as he sees him, he feels compassion towards him. And he starts running after him at a full sprint with his arms wide open. And he picks him up and he embraces him and he kisses him on the cheek. And at that moment, he forgave him. And the whole apologize, the, the, the whole apology that, 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 the, that the son was rehearsing over and over and over again wasn't even said before he was, he was forgiven. He couldn't even finish his apology. That the father embraced him, then he said his apology, and his father cut him off and said, go bring him a robe, go put a ring on his finger, go kill the fattened calf, because we are going to celebrate that my son is back. See, the father went, and as soon as he saw him, felt compassion, loved on him, forgave him right then and there. Right then and there. That's the love that the father had for his son. He didn't hold a grudge on him because it would have been so easy for him to hold a grudge. Because let me tell you the truth, the easy way out, the easy way out is to hold a grudge. The easy way out is to not face consequences. The easy way out is for, is for there not to be time to be spent and apologizing and talking things through and reconciling because that takes time. That takes effort. And, the hard, and that's the hard way out. And that's the good way out. And that's the biblical way out. But the reality is that most of us here will opt out to take the easy way out. Right, because in this situation, because if I'm being 100% honest with you, if I'm in this situation, I'm probably, I definitely know that I wouldn't react the way the father reacted. When somebody fully betrays you, when somebody fully turns their back on you, when somebody truly hurts you, it's not the easiest thing to go and be like, yes, as soon as I see you, I'm going to forgive you. And I love this because the father doesn't take the easy way out. He did not hold a grudge, but he forgave. Because right? oftentimes I think that we'll go around and holding grudges and we'll spend so much more effort to go and, and avoid somebody, Right? Spend so much more effort to, 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 to stay away from somebody and to side-eye them when you see them at the grocery store or in the parking lot or maybe even within the church. When God calls us to be reconciled. Because the truth is that when we don't forgive and we hold a grudge, it leads to so many other sins. It doesn't just end right there, right then and there, but it leads to things like jealousy, gossip, anger, hate, right? When you see someone, when that person that you have conflict with, things start going good for them, jealousy creeps into our hearts. And anger starts coming in, so we begin to gossip about them. And when there's gossip, there comes hate, and there comes more division and more division. And the best thing for us to do is to forgive those that have offended us. Check out what Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 says. It says, for if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He calls us to forgive one another. 
Our Father in heaven has forgiven us for so much worse. God is calling us to forgive. And I get it, it's hard. Right? Because it will take all the mercy that we have. Because our, there are people in our lives, there are some people in our lives that have truly, really hurt us. And it will take every ounce of strength to forgive them. Because the ones that forgive are strong. Amen? Amen. The ones to apologize are brave. But the ones to forgive are strong. And to many of us and to a lot of people, that's where it ends. Right? There's an apology. There's forgiveness, and that's it. That's done. We're done. That's it with the reconciliation process. But there is actually a third option to this. There's a third step to this. A lot of people just skip through, and it's actually very crucial to the reconciliation process, which is the one to forget is happy, right? There is an apology, there is forgiveness, and there is also forgetting, right? In this story, jumping back in, the father when he goes out and he embraces his son and he picks him up and he gives him a kiss and he forgives him right then and there, he calls immediately for them to be able to dress his son in robes, to put a ring on his finger. He didn't hold anything else against him. Nothing else was up on his mind of what he had to do or what happened. He didn't bring it back up and throw it in his face. At that moment, he gave him and made him his son. And here's the reality of what happened and what this signified when he put a ring and a robe on his son. That in that moment, he fully forgave and fully forgot. And he reinstated his son fully to what he was before, to what the relationship was before. Because get this, the apology that the son was working on, that apology, it talked about, let me be one of your servants. Or the son came back, just forgive me, please. I am begging. Let me just at least be one of your servants. The lowliest rank within your household. I just want to come back home. And the father says to him, no. I will not make you a servant. I will reinstate you as my son. And in that moment where he put the ring on his finger and a robe on his back, he said, you will be my son again. You will be an heir to the inheritance. You will be an heir to the property. You will be an heir again. I don't care that you've messed up. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how long you've been out there. I don't care what you've done in your life. Right here, right now, you will be my son again. The father fully, fully forgives his son. He forgets what's, what's said. He forget what's happened. He lives in peace. He lives in harmony. He lives in joy. Because he has his son fully at the fold in his household once again. That he was dead and now was alive. He was lost but now he is finally found back at home. And you see sometimes we listen to some bad advice in our lives. And I know some bad advice, right? I've been in youth ministry for years and I've heard some really bad advice. But there's one piece of advice that I really don't like. And it's very dangerous because it sounds right, but it's actually wrong. And maybe you've heard this advice. Maybe you've even given this advice before. But it's that advice to say, hey, forgive, but never forget. You ever heard that one before? Forgive, 
but never forget. Hey, you know what? Yeah, forgive that person for your own peace and your own heart, but never forget what they did to you. Don't be foolish. Ever heard that? So you go, yeah, Marsha, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. I'll never forget what you did to me. I forgive you for my own peace, so I won't jail myself within my own heart, but I'll never forget what you did. I'll never invite you to birthday parties. I'll never come around. I'll never have you over for dinner. We'll never go out for lunch. But I forgive you, but I'll just never, ever, ever forget. That is wrong advice. That is unbiblical. That is ungodly. See, this is the way that God forgives us. In Micah chapter 7, it says, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all of our sins in the depths of the sea. That when God forgives us, when we have faith in God and we come in repentance to our Father, He fully forgives us and He throws our sins into the depths of the sea, never to be brought back up again, never to be thrown in your face. I can assure you that God is a man of His word. He is immutable. He does not change His mind. And the moment that He calls you His son, He meant it. And there's nothing you could do. There's nothing you've done for that to, to, to change His mind. At the moment that your name is written in the book of life, you are sealed forever. It's not that when your time here on earth is done, you're going to go to heaven and God will be like, no, remember this time. No, you are fully forgiven by God as one of His sons and daughters. God fully forgives you. You are fully His. He has forgotten. You start with a clean slate. You are white as snow. You are seen as righteous before His eyes. You are called to be His. But here's the truth that Sometimes, no matter how hard we try, we fall short of the glory of God because of our sinful nature. Amen? But we have a perfect example of what true forgiveness and love looks like. We have a perfect example within our Father in heaven, within stories like this of the prodigal son. We see the Father fully forgive his son. It's all, and this story is mainly about the Father. If we think about it, Right? Because with this title of the prodigal son, it focuses a lot on the younger son. Right? But it causes us to miss the point that Jesus is trying to make. Right? A lot of scholars believe that this parable should be called the parable of the gracious father. Because he is a character who occurs throughout the whole story. Right? And he is the main character of this parable. That the father is the one that exercises all of the forgiveness and love within this passage. And when we look back into this, into the story, everything seems great, right? It seems like a happy ending. There's reconciliation between the, 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 the son and the father. Everything goes well. But there's actually like this blip in the story. There's this interruption because we get introduced to an older son. Right? And the older son comes close and he hears dancing and party and everyone having a good time. And he, what is going on here? One of the servants comes and says, hey, your brother is back. Your father is so happy. You're having to throw in a big old party for him because he is back safe and sound. But the brother's reaction was different than the father's reaction. The brother's reaction was, well, was that he was upset. 
That he's been there. He's done everything the Father has asked for. He's been there toiling. He's been there uh, fighting and earning this inheritance from his Father. How could his Father so easily forgive this brother? How could the Father so easily forgive his son? How could that possibly be a thing? How could he reinstate him as a son? How could he give him his inheritance after all that he's done? He's just going to go and, and squander it away again. He's just going to go and waste it up again. Again, the brother thinks that his father is being reckless with his inheritance, that he is being reckless with his forgiveness. He is being reckless with his love towards his son. He should have never had done that. That's what he believes. He believes that his father is being the prodigal one. He, he believes that he is the one that is recklessly giving away something valuable. And he's right. The father is a prodigal because we get a second two-fold definition of what prodigal means. It means having and or giving something on a lavish scale. And while a son wasted away all of his inheritance on horrible things of this world and he wasted something away on a lavish scale, we see the father give forgiveness on a lavish scale. He gives love on a lavish scale. He reconciles on a lavish scale. He is the prodigal father that gives that grace away freely to all that come and ask for forgiveness. Now you are fully forgiven, sealed as a son. And I'm not sure if you've caught on. Probably have. But in this story, we're the prodigal son. In this story, we're the ones that turn our backs from God. We're the ones that... That, that, that stab God in the back. We're the ones that betray him. We're the ones that constantly sin. We're the ones that break his heart. And the father in this story is our God. The one that loves. The ones that the moments that we come to his fold, that he is there waiting for you with his arms wide open, ready to accept you and forgive you and seal you as his son forever and ever. Your book will be written in the book. Their name will be written in the book of life. You will be seen as righteous before his eyes. And he is calling you home today. Maybe you're in here and you relate exactly to this prodigal son. Maybe you're living a life away from the father. Maybe you've never lived a life close to the father. At this moment right now, I don't believe there's any accidents. I believe you are here for a purpose. You're hearing this message for a reason. And if you find yourself living a life away from God, here today, right here, right now, this morning, God is calling you home with his arms wide open ready to receive you and forgive you on a lavish scale because the good news about this story is when we come to when we come home to ask for forgiveness and repentance we are greeted by the father and not the brother we are greeted by the abounding prodigal filled with grace mercy and forgiving father we're going to sing one last song and I want to encourage you, listen to the words. And if you feel called home, if you feel like today God is calling you home, I want to encourage you to listen. We're going to have pastors up here after service, and we would love to pray with you if you decided to make that. God is calling you home today. Will you repent? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for... The story of how forgiving you truly are. 
I ask that we be reconciled in our relationships that we need to mend. God, I ask that we go ask for forgiveness for those that we need to ask for forgiveness to. God, I ask that we forgive those that come and apologize, that we forget the iniquities that they have done against us, God, and all the offenses they've done against us, that there be full reconcilement, that we prepare ourselves for what you are going to do here on in this church and through this church. Before then, we need to prepare ourselves to be reconciled to other people, be reconciled to those broken relationships, and most importantly, for us to be all in and be reconciled to you. And if any of us here are living in a prodigal season within our lives, that we come home today. God, ask that you give bravery and courage for those that need to come and ask for repentance for you. And they want to give their life to you, God. Thank you so much for your grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross and making that happen. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.